Enjoy the show. Beaming at you from the depths of the internet. This is the Temple of Geek Podcast, your one stop for all things geek. All things geek. And we're back. Welcome to the Temple of Geek Podcast. I'm Daniel, and with me are Stacy and the newcomer to the show, Monica. Welcome. Hello. Hello. So, basically, um, we've been gone for, I don't know, several months trying to do some new things on the Temple of Geek website, and we're back. So, we came up with some new concepts for the, the show. First thing I want to do is start one of our new segments called Around the Mics. Around the Mics. Um, basically, what I want you all to do is just kind of talk about what you all been doing the last couple weeks. Just, you know, kind of give us a, you know, just a brief overview of what's been going on. And um, I would like to also have this opportunity for Monica to kind of introduce herself to the to the our audience. So let's go ahead and start with Monica. Monica, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, guys. Um, thank you so much for having me on. I am a cosplay photographer. I cover conventions and geeky events around Southern California. And I've been part of the geek community for about six years, um, heavily hitting all the SoCal cons. But um, I've been a long, lifelong geek. Um, and uh, just recently, just coming back from San Diego Comic-Con, um, it's been a wonderful week there. Um, and that's basically what I've been up to is recovering from Comic-Con. Recovering. We know all about that from our Dallas trip. <laughs> yeah i can only yeah, imagine it's, it's a, a little worse uh it's really packed it's really overwhelming and there's an ins- insane amount of walking yeah yeah but I, it was so i saw some of the things you were doing it looked like you were having a blast out there you got to got to be like within like feet of the 13th doctor or the 12th doctor i'm sorry and <laughs> oh my gosh yeah we were really lucky we got to go to the uh sci-fi uh comic-con live taping and uh, luckily, luckily for us, we were in cosplay. Uh, we were wearing our Doctor Who cosplay. So they pulled us over to the side and they said, uh, you guys just wait over here. And what they did is they put all the cosplayers right in the front row. So we were at the stage and we were lucky enough to um, be there while Charlize Theron was there uh, promoting Atomic Blonde. And then we got to see the entire uh, cast of Doctor Who which was really great, um, along with uh, showrunner Stephen Moffat and uh, Mark Gattis. So really exciting and probably the highlight of my trip. That's awesome. Stacey, that is awesome. What about you, man? What's been going on with you? Well, in the meantime, I guess uh, I've been uh, watching movies, taking advantage of the summer. Um, There really weren't any Comic-Cons or conventions really like that big in my area. So you you being in Southern Cal, Monica, and, and uh, Daniel, you're in Texas. I'm in Alabama. So the closest one to me is Dragon Con, and it actually oh. is next weekend. As we're re- yeah, as we're recording this, weekend. it'll next weekend. Yeah. So um, I have been to it a number of times. Uh, I am not going to be able to make it to it this year. Um, just too many things going on, and so um, yeah, I'm not going to be able to make it. But it, it is a fantastic convention and. Uh, I'd encourage anybody if you have an opportunity, if you can't make it out to Comic Con, that you make it to Dragon Con. It's it's much more geared towards cosplay and game and like uh, tabletop gaming and stuff. But it's it's a, uh, I think it, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, it's the second biggest in the nation in terms of conventions yes. that are yeah. So uh, that is it, the goal is, to get there. Oh well, it's it's it is huge and it's definitely worth it. So. Um, but you know, other than that, um, you know, I, um, I host with, uh, um, Amanda, another podcast on Temple of Geek, the Retro Rebel Gamecast. And, uh, we've been, you know, kind of firing on all cylinders on that, trying to, uh, play as much as I can. So, um, really been doing a lot of gaming if a lot relative to my age. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So, yeah. Well, what about you, Daniel? Well, with me, I mean, you know, I'm kind of like you. I, I kind of got myself back into gaming. I don't, I don't know what happened. Well, I know what happened. I went to that gaming convention a couple weeks ago, and <laughs> you know, I got to talk to uh, some of the gaming greats like Billy Mitchell and Walter Day, and just kind of just talk to them about record beating and just different things like that. And got super excited about all this stuff, and spent a lot of money there buying. Um, <laughs> you know, if if uh, 
our listeners aren't aware, um, I, I do collect classic video games, so uh, I, I dropped dropped a couple bills there picking up some games. Um, but yeah, I just had a blast, and I mean, I've just I've just been playing, and I, I haven't played games like this in a while. So um, Sonic Mania just dropped, and I picked that up, and I've just I've been addicted. So that's pretty much. So all it's I've good. Been. Oh yeah, that game is amazing, dude. If you like old sixteen bit Sonic the Hedgehog. Yes, that game is definitely a a purchase. I have a well, question and, for you guys. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, I'm not I'm not a big gamer. I you know I never kind of I watch people play games, um, but I don't game myself. <laughs> what kind of games yeah. like do you consider retro games? At what point is it considered retro? That's a good question. That that that's a fair question. Um, what I, do you think? Well, well, to me, anything that's not current generation. So, like right now, you have the Xbox. You know the Xbox One, the PlayStation Four, and the Switch out. So anything that's not those systems is retro. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and I would I would actually go a step further and, and define it as anything that's um, from our childhood. Yeah, I would say anything that's that's pre that predates uh, the last two generations. So like anything before the Xbox 360 or the PS3. Okay. So, um, you know, early yeah. 2000s and before. See, uh, the last game I ever played was Duck Hunt. Oh, fantastic! So yeah, that, that's definitely it's a retro been a while. Game. <laughs> okay, you would, that would definitely qualify. Yeah. I mean, that's so, okay. that's so retro that cannot be that it cannot be played on modern televisions. True. Really? Yes. Wow. <laughs> that, so. That's interesting trivia. I'm gonna use that at a bar one time. You it know, will work. Like, that's good bar trivia. I'm going to use that. Like, hey, did you guys know that you can't play that game on modern TVs? <laughs> yeah, what you'll what you'll find out about me is I'm a huge Nintendo fan, and I, I like to collect the old cartridge stuff. So anything that's a cartridge, like old school Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, those type of things. I mean, I know Sega's not Nintendo, but any cartridge type base game, I'm I'm obsessed with. I try to hunt down stuff and add it to my wall of wall of video game goodness. Nice. You do have a pretty impressive collection, I admit. Uh, not as impressive as Jeff's, but it's getting there. Well, you know, and I just recently bought the Direct Debit 5000, um, also known as the Nintendo Switch. <laughs> uh, and uh, and so I that's is that what you have the uh, the new Sonic game on? Yes, sir. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I was. That's the that's the next game. I have Breath of the Wild, and I was looking to buy that as well. So, yep, twenty dollars worth it. Purchase it. Yeah. Well, I will have to do that. Then that will be my next game. Quick bits. Transitioning into <laughs> our next segment here, uh, we have this section called Quick Bits, and basically, I just want to kind of just talk about some quick subjects that just maybe have happened, or maybe any news events, things like that. So. Very first thing I want to ask you all about is Defenders just dropped last week. Have you all watched it? And if you all have, did you like it, hate it, and why? Um, well, I am five episodes into Defenders right now, and so far I am loving it. I was really, really nervous because I didn't watch Luke Cage or Iron Fist. I did see Daredevil and Jessica Jones. Um, but this uh, Defenders, the first couple of uh, Defender episodes started really slow, and it kind of caught me up on everything that I missed in Iron Fist and in Luke Cage. So that was really helpful. I heard a lot of people complaining, saying that it was dragging, it was too slow. But for me, it was like... Oh, that makes sense. Oh, great. Oh, I get what's going on here because I had no, I, I have no background information on Iron Fist at all. So this whole Danny Rand character was brand new to me. So it was very nice that it actually started kind of slow, nice. but I'm really enjoying it. And you got three more episodes and they just get better and better. Oh, nice. Nice. Did you guys watch it? Did you guys, are you guys caught up? I, I did. Yeah. I power watched it the night it came out. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I did not. No, I did not. Bad. I watched. Uh, I think the first three episodes to the next. How many other? There are eight, right? There's eight episodes. There's eight. Yeah. Yeah. I watched all seven over the course, or seven of them over the course of about three or four days, and then I watched the last episode. Uh, you know, a day or so later. Um, and I think that Monica actually has a an advantage on us because she did not watch uh, Iron Fist. And I think it makes his character more tolerable. Had yes. you not, oh, you know, 
Well, see, I think see, I'm the only person in the world that actually liked Iron Fist. I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. I I I think of it a lot like I think of uh, it, well, actually, I like Batman vs Superman better than I liked Iron Fist. Um, oh, <laughs> uh, I just and it's because the martial arts was below subpar, and uh, by the main by the main character anyway. So, right. Well, uh, I- and, it was and supposed I felt to be like, like a cheesy style martial arts. I mean, that's how I took it. You know, 70s style, well, I mean, cheesy martial even, arts. Even the 70s style cheesy martial artists were actual kung fu martial artists, you know. <laughs> so they actually did know kung fu. And he... I know kung fu. <laughs> he, exactly, well, he was so slow that he couldn't sell most of his movements. And so, like, the best martial artist was his sidekick. Uh, and The Colleen chick? Yeah, you know, and Colleen Wing, I think is her name. Uh, she yeah, was the best. She's the best martial artist probably on the show. Actually, I'll take it back. Daredevil's the best martial artist on the show. Um, and Daredevil's then. straight up brawler in that freaking. He's, he's, he's the best of all the fighters, you know, so, uh, in my opinion. But anyway, so he- like. There wasn't a couple things about Iron Fist that I thought were so cheesy, and every time he said, I am the immortal Iron Fist, I wanted to laugh. Well, that's what and... the whole show was about. He just okay, kept saying okay. that. That's, that's all he said in the show. Yeah. I'm the Iron Fist. I, I, you know, I, I found him to be a lot like uh, Luke Skywalker uh, in the first yes. uh, Star Wars movie, where he's oh, just yeah. whining. He's just whining about who he is or what he wants to do, you know, and it's it's not about... Like, and that translates I, into defenders, though. That you're totally right. Yeah. Well, it does. And then eventually, he becomes a part of something much bigger, and and uh, and does become, I guess, the Iron Fist at the end. I liked the dynamic between him and Luke Cage. I actually l- really, really liked the first half of the Luke Cage series. Um, okay. Second half, eh? It was, you know, once once. Uh, there's something that happens. I don't want to ruin it because I'd encourage if you want to watch it, Monica. I'd encourage you to watch Luke Cage because I think it's it's worth a watch. Um, both of them are really if if you're interested in a. In I a am interested theory. totally. So I won't I won't spoil anything. But uh, for me, the second half of the Luke Cage series wasn't as good as the first half. And see, I agree with you uh, on that. The first seven episodes were amazing. Yeah, How and then many they, are in Luke Cage. They're both thirteen episodes each. Yeah. Oh, okay. Much longer. All in all, though, I liked the series. Uh, I I liked the direction it's going. It was very entertaining. Uh, and you know, I, I mean, in terms of like the the Marvel television stuff, I think that Defenders redeemed where some of the other series may have, uh, you know, kind of faltered. I really like Jessica Jones, and I like both Daredevils a lot. So. Yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying Defenders, and I enjoyed Daredevil and Jessica Jones as well. And, and the one thing I did appreciate about the Defenders, and I don't want to spoil anything for those who have not finished it yet, is though it does set up all the future seasons of the other shows. Everyone <laughs> dies. Spoiler. Don't say that! I'm in Game of Thrones mode right now, and I can't handle everybody dying right now. Oh, I know. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm, I told, uh, I told my wife and the kids, I was like, we got to get back before, you know, eight o'clock. Tomorrow. HBO Go, watch Sunday, it in the yeah. car. <laughs> watch it while driving down the road. That's right. I would. Yeah. I'm just saying. Oh, I would, I would too, if we weren't in the middle of nowhere, so. Oh, bummer. I know it. But I liked it. I liked, I liked the, the Defenders. Nice. Well, going from one Disney property over to another, the they just introduced a new character for Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Um, I guess I should say characters or creatures. They're they're called the Porgs. Have you all seen these? I have. The little yeah. bird-like creatures. What what are what are your thoughts on these this, these new creatures? Do you think this is a marketing thing to get kids excited? <laughs> I mean, they can't be as bad as Jar Jar Binks, right? <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing is. I, uh, yeah, so I'm not worried. <laughs> Jar Jar alone. Be, you know, being, being, uh, I, I may not be the resident Star Wars uh, uh, official nerd uh, professional, but uh, I'd like to think I'm close to it. And, and uh, with the Porgs, 
I'm I'm actually all about I'm all all about them. What was that? Very halfway Canadian of me. I'm all about. Uh, all about. All about them. All about them. <laughs> I'm all about. Uh, I'm all about the porgs. I think that they're adorable. Um, they don't speak, which is awesome. So you know they can't. <laughs> so they that. can't be Jar Jar. <laughs> yeah, they can't be Jar Jar. Um, there's even a children's book. Because apparently, uh, this is not spoiler territory. If you've just looked at some of the marketing material, Porgs make it onto the Millennium Falcon with uh, Chewbacca. So there's a, there's a, there's a Porg on there with him. Have there's you all seen the behind-the-scenes scene with Chewie book. on the Millennium Falcon? Where he no, has a feather not. in the mouth? <laughs> no. <laughs> but, uh, well, but I know that there's a children's book with him and the Porgs. So it's like Chewie and the Porgs or something like that. It's like a band. But there's really uh, some some connection between the two, and so they made a children's book of it as well. So they're they're kind of going in all directions with uh, the Star Wars property. They they went from just milking it for uh, the the action figures and stuff like that for Lucas to now it's kind of it permeates everything. So it's children's books and young adult books and uh, <laughs> and and toys and and you know the marketing gimmicks with Porgs, but. I'm all about it. Well, Disney knows what it's doing. <laughs> oh, for sure. Absolutely. They know how to bring in the bucks. Well, from what I understand, the Porgs are supposed to be the guardians, I guess, of Aktu, the, the island that Luke is on. And okay. They're going to be basically... They, they, get to stay, they, they make the decision of who gets to stay on the island and who doesn't. Huh. So, so they become vicious. Yeah, so I, I, they they have sharp teeth for a reason. So I, I don't know. Oh, what, I didn't know they had sharp teeth. So I don't I don't know what they're going to do with these characters. I'm kind of interested to see what they are. They, you know, it's it, it kind of reminds me of like the Ewoks back in Return of the Jedi. You know, they had to introduce this cute little creature. So yeah, they may be cute, but I think they're going to have some sort of uh, darker side to them. <laughs> so I wonder if they're empathic and they can kind of just sense who's good and who's bad. So- that would be see and I and I could see them if they were like force sensitive and they had more passive powers. Uh, them being vicious and like swarm attacking you like a bunch of adorable piranha. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You know, so I. Cute, but why I, does it hurt so bad? <laughs> it's like I can't resist. Yeah. Uh, just wondering. It, 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 makes, it. it makes sense though why Luke is grumpy. Luke. I mean, he's been on an island for however many years with just these birds. So, yeah. It's, it's but aren't these birds they're like they're like they were supposed to be fashioned after like puffins, right? Yeah, puffins. Okay. So, and, and I think there are puffins. I think that island that they're at that, that's where the puffins are, isn't it? Yeah. yeah yes, because it's in Ireland, right? Correct. Yeah. So, so it's I like think a little nod to the area. Yeah, so they're not they're not puffins, they're porgs. <laughs> they're porgs. <laughs> they're very different. They look they both are adorable. Um Cute. but yeah. I can dig it. Porgs are cool in my book. Nice. No Jar Jar Binks, yeah. Well, I'm sure both of y'all have seen many, many movies this year so far, so if you all had to pick one that you think is the best movie of the year so far, what would you think? Mm-hmm. What what would you say is the best movie so far? I'll, I'll start with Monica. Uh, for, for me, it's Rogue One. I know it's not really this year, but because it was so close to the end of the year um, last year, I just kind of want to count it as Rogue One. Nice. I'm, I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> Stacey, what about uh, you? Well, to me, I mean, honestly... You know, I, when I talked to Amanda on the on the, our games cast, we made this decision to not pick like what is the best game, but what is like our favorite game. Mm-hmm. So I would have to do the same thing with the movies. It's like, so what is my favorite movie? Because I, I saw Atomic Blonde, and I liked it. I thought it was a good movie, but it definitely wasn't my favorite movie. Uh, it's definitely one that I think you would only suggest to two particular people. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite movie is probably Guardians Two. Um, if I had to pick one, uh, but I'd probably put Homecoming as a close second favorite. See, and I think um, that's where I'm at right now. I think because I'm such a huge fan of Spider-Man and I, they did the character so right finally in a movie 
that I'm just, yeah. I'm just like, I think Spider-Man is my favorite movie so far this year. And did, did Logan come out this year? Yeah, Logan. Well, no, actually, I think it came out like in November last year. Was no, it, last it had to come. No, it was this year. It was this year was because the DVD came. DVD came out in like June, so yeah, it had to be like around February. If 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 Logan if Logan came out this year, it was Logan. It I take it. March, I take all March third back. I take all of that back. Logan's my favorite movie. Logan's my favorite <laughs> movie. This year. I'm wearing uh, a Logan I, T-shirt I, I, as we speak. Fantasy look. Great minds. It was. It, it definitely was my favorite. And I didn't go to the cinema to see Logan, and when I finally saw it on DVD, I just was not impressed with it. I did you cried. see the uh, the black and white uh, version? I did not. The newer version. Yeah. Did that, did I've that got that as well. Does that make the movie better? It does change things, um, but I think it's you needed to see. It. Yeah, it's like noir. It's a little artsy. I think you needed to see it in the theater first my opinion um to really get the full effect of it and i mean i have a great affinity i mean wolverine was my favorite character growing up it wasn't really peter parker or any of those other ones that it probably should have been that i related to more it was wolverine and it was the guy that killed people it was the guy that killed too though i loved wolverine as a kid i used to collect the wolverine Green comics and like oh, I was absolutely. obsessed with Cyclops and Jean Grey messing with Logan all day. Absolutely, <laughs> I mean Lo- Wolverine was Wolverine was my favorite when I I used to draw all the time when I first started collecting comic books and I used to try to really get Wolverine and Colossus down and Colossus was impossible to draw for me because of all the lines with his metal body is like impossible. But I really I really. I love the character Wolverine. Yeah, I had his comics as well. In fact, I've, I've got the first 30 issues. I've got two number ones, and then the first 30 issues of the Wolverines. I collected them, you know, when they fir- the first run and uh, when they first came out. Oh, hi. I was a kid, though. <laughs> yeah, well, I was too. I mean, that was late 80s, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. I remember going, my mom giving me enough money just to buy one Wolverine comic a week. Oh, I actually begged. I was. I, I remember this vividly. I was actually in a in a grocery store with my uh, my friend's family, like his parents, and I begged his parents to buy me one. I was like, wow. I didn't. I didn't have any money, and it was like like the second or third issue had come out, and he's fighting the Silver Samurai, and yeah. I, and I didn't. I did not have that issue, and I and I just I lost my sense. My parents taught me better, but I totally went. <laughs> Asked uh, asked them if they would buy that for me, and I would work at their house to uh, to make up the money or whatever I needed to do. And they were like, "Okay." So, <laughs> but yes, Wolverine was my favorite, and that's and Logan is just a, a an incredible exclamation point uh, to that whole series, and it and it makes up for where they went wrong. Right. Believe it or not, you know, it truly does, in my opinion, makes up it makes up for where they went wrong, and and uh. You know, origins and and just the other shite that they that they put out. Except for the ending. I agree. The ending was great. Indy, I cried. It's great. Uh, yeah, I'm not complaining. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what, 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 what? Now, I mean, if, I don't know that this is a spoiler. Is this spoiler? Just watch. Go watch the movie. You know, go watch. If you hadn't seen it, go watch it. What is it about the ending uh, that that you did not? Uh, like you didn't enjoy. I don't know. I'm starting to. I'm starting to not like those movies where it's like Moses can't enter the promised land. Ah, uh, okay. I can dig that. And it's it just seems like a lot more stories are starting to go that way. And I'm just. I don't know. I, I don't think I like that type of story anymore. Well, because you needed I some think... kind of satisfaction at the. End. Yeah, I think I did. Because <laughs> you know yeah. he had such crappy movies, and it was just like, all right, let's 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 end all of his crappy movies with this ending where he doesn't get anything and just where he where they put him out of his misery perfect <laughs> i don't know um you know do you think they're going to recast him for the next uh, x-men movie no so you don't think wolverine's going to be in the x-men movies anymore uh, per- uh personally i think that the- if they bring him back they'll bring him back and he'll be wearing a jacket or something like that so he doesn't have to do the the whole weight thing that he's had to do in a lot of the other ones um, if he makes an appearance, which I think he will in, in this iteration, uh, once they're done with this 
you know, with the the new the Dark Phoenix saga, I think they're planning on doing. Um, I think that they'll recast him eventually. I but, really like him as Wolverine. Yeah, I just can't got, see anybody else got, in that role. He just really got it. Yeah, he, he he probably was the best casting choice of any of the X Men characters so far. Well, besides Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool. And, I'm and, sorry, but, Patrick Stewart is amazing. That's true. That's a good point. He may be the he may be the best actually because he actually literally looks like him. He is Charles <laughs> Xavier. And I, then I, you know, <laughs> and, but, but you know, and with Wolverine, Wolverine was probably the best worst choice. And what I mean by that is nothing about Hugh Jackman looks like the character from the book other than the way that they did his hair. He's about nine. He's nine inches taller than Wolverine. Yeah, because Wolverine was like, what, five foot two or something like that in the comics? I think he's five four. I think he's five foot four in the comics. Um, And so you've got, you know, and he had never stood a chance with Jean Grey, you know, five foot four. She's like five ten or six, (laughs) but no chance. I still remember in the Wolverine comics the wedding of uh, Jean Grey and Cyclops, and yeah. it sticks out in my mind so much because I'm a huge U2 fan, and their wedding song was a U2 song, and really? I just yeah, it was one by U2, and they they announce like the DJ says it, you know that that's their wedding song or whatever, and that is one of the biggest things that has always stuck out to me from the Wolverine comics. Wow, I, that that is something that I never even I don't even know if I remember that part. Bar trivia. Awesome. Yeah, more bar trivia. That's <laughs> awesome. This episode is brought to you by Bar Trivia. Right. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> well, with that, I need to take a moment to talk a little bit about our sponsor, Audible.com. Audible is giving you, the listeners of the Temple of Geek podcast, a free month to try out their service. By heading to audibletrial.com forward slash Toddcast, you can sign up for a month on us. That gives you the chance to download one of their many book options like X-Files Cold Cases. This book is set after the events of X-Files I Want to Believe and is narrated by the cast of the show. Appearances from series regulars David Duchovny, Jillian Anderson, Mitch Pelegi, William B. Davis, Tom Braidwood, Dean Hagland, and Bruce Harwood round out this must-listen arc. You can head to audibletrial.com forward slash Toddcast to grab that title or any of of the 180,000 titles on their site. Support this show by starting a trial today. Again, that address is audibletrial.com forward slash Toddcast. All right, well, our main topic for this episode is uh, basically a topic I've been kind of thinking about. Um, We've had a lot of movies come out over the last decade, and I I started thinking, uh, what movie has come out over this last decade that 20, 30 years from now we're going to consider it like a classic? Kind of like how... You know, we always talk about Batman 89, you know, the, the movie that started started it all. Um, yeah. So, you know, out of out of all the movies that have come out this last decade, and it could be anything, anything in the geek world. I mean, I don't, I don't care. I just what what movie do you think is going to be revered as, you know, kind of like that original Tim Burton Batman film? Uh, we'll, we'll start with Stacy. Nice. Well, you know, if we're going in the last 10 years, uh, I actually went back and I looked and, I, and there's a there's a there are a number of good movies uh, that I think. Uh, I, I mean, I think Deadpool is going to be one of those, uh, but that's not the one I wanted to choose. And I'm going to kind of stick in the same genre, though, in a movie that I think has uh, captured people's imaginations in a way that that no mo- movies really have in the last 30 years, uh, even the comparisons that were made. I think, uh, rightly so, put it in a different area, put it in a different genre of films, and and they make it. I think they put it on the same shelf as as classics. In my opinion, again, I know this is high praise, like Star Wars, and that is Guardians of the Galaxy one, the very first one. It stands alone. It stands alone by itself. Uh, you do not have to have seen any of the other Marvel movies to make it make sense. It's got this. It's got a type of humor that that hasn't been seen in any of the other uh, Marvel movies. Um, that and so, like, if you just if you just wanted to go watch a movie that the the main character is someone that you can kind of relate to, uh, he's also kind of a Han Solo, but he's not. He's also, you know, there's there are, there are alien races. There's incredible humor. You've got a talking raccoon. You've got a tree that literally only says four words, but it means <laughs> everything, you know, but I don't know. It's just, 
I think it was it's to me it's it will until something else comes out it is my favorite Marvel movie of all time and uh, I think it's it's going to be when people look back in 20 30 years it's going to be a classic one that that has separated itself from any of the other Marvel movies yeah I totally agree with that I, I would too so I, I guess we're done now all right well, that, <laughs> that, that's it for the talk <laughs> You nailed it. Way to go. No, I it's one of my favorites. Um, and it just, I already loved Chris Pratt, but it really made me love Chris Pratt. And, um, when it, when they first announced that he was going to be cast for it, I just was like, I don't buy it. I don't buy him as a superhero. Like I love him. He's hilarious. He's funny, but I don't buy him as like this, like superhero. And literally the minute he came on screen, I'm like, okay, I'm sold. Like, yeah, man, was I wrong? But yeah. I, th- I think that's what's great yeah. about about the character of Star Lord. He's not a superhero, um, right? So, and I, I know I'm with you, Monica. When when they first announced it, I was like, "What? The guy from <laughs> Parks and Rec?" <laughs> so when they, when they first start when that when the opening credits started rolling and they showed him dancing, I, I was like, "Okay, this is this is going to be an amazing film." I smiled like I seriously I smiled like for the first 30 minutes of the movie just smiled like an idiot just because yeah, you can't help it. No, no, I totally agree. And I think you nailed it on that. Sweet. Well, I don't know how you're going to follow this up, Monica, but what's your choice? <laughs> I, I'm going to go back to what I said earlier, and it's Rogue One. And I'm just absolutely obsessed. Um, and for me, the reason that it's Rogue One is it's like... Uh, kind of like Stacy said, it's like a standalone movie. Um, like my five-year-old hasn't really seen all of the other Star Wars movies. Um, my 12-year-old is obsessed with all the Star Wars franchise. But like my five-year-old is just now coming into it. And he calls it the Jin movie. Um, and and he loved it. He was so enthralled. And to him, like it's just those characters. So it's, for him, it's kind of like a standalone thing. It doesn't really like connect with anything else. But for me, who grew up on the movies and who absolutely love it, um, it was just so satisfying. But on top of all that, I feel like it's a story of hope. It's a story about the greater good. No one that was involved like in this rescue, um, I'm sorry, in this mission to get the plans for the Death Star, no one involved was benefiting from this mission. They all knew the risk. They all had no one in particular to save. They risked it all for the, the. They risked it all for the greater good, and they were all selfless. They they did it so that nobody else would have to suffer what they've suffered, what they've seen. It's just it's just a story of goodness. I love that there's no romance in the movie, but there right. is a lot of love. It's it's a re- it's relatable to a lot of people. There's the father daughter relationship between Jin and Galen Erso. Uh, there's the trust issues between Jin and. Uh, uh, Captain Cassian Andor. Um, the pilot story fascinates me the most. Um, really? Bodhi. Yeah. So the reason is because he isn't anyone special. He was just a cargo pilot, a dude that went to work and just, you know, was delivering some goods, doing his job. And uh, suddenly, the Death Star. Yeah. <laughs> but suddenly he drops everything and he risks everything. And we don't know his backstory. We don't know where he's coming from, but he did something extraordinary. He didn't have special powers, a special position, a special anything. He wasn't a Jedi. He wasn't a rebel. He was just a dude. And he risked all this, his life, to get this message out. And he did it simply because it was the right thing to do. It's what he needed right. to do. And like even characters like... um like K2, for example, um, he's a droid, yeah, but he serves that, like, voice of reason because he's always reassuring everybody, like, or he's always reminding everybody, like, hey, this is dangerous. Hey, the odds of this, like, hey. Yeah, I was going to say, he's not very reassuring. He's more no. condescending. <laughs> yeah, but, like, he's there's always that person that you know that's like, hey, guys, we shouldn't be doing this and work, you know, right. it's not going to work yeah. out. And, so, you know, so I feel like there's something relatable for everybody. And yeah. the, the diversity in the cast is so refreshing. And I believe representation yeah. is so important. And I just, I think this is going to be a classic. I think that it's going to be something that, you know, people are going to be watching all the time that we're going to be um, like that. My kid is going to show his kids, you know? Right. Um, and I, I just totally believe it. I love that movie so much. 
I thought it was good. I thought it was, I, I really, I really enjoyed it because for many of the reasons you said with the, the, um, you know, I, I feel a lot of times you feel diversity shoehorned into to movies. And I did not feel like in this movie, you know, that it was not natural. You know, it, everything about the, everything about the movie felt like it was, that's the way that it was in this, in this universe. It, just flowed. The way that it, is. it flowed very well. And, and, you know, and Cassian, you know, people made a big deal over the fact that he used his accent in the movie. Right. And, and to me, it, again, it was another one of those things that, that was part of the charm of the movie. Part of what made the movie the, what it was is you have, people who have accents from different parts of the universe and it seemed like it made sense again to me and he did such a good job not everyone like really prob- <laughs> right exactly <laughs> you know some some uh you know and, and so and and he really to he actually to me was the my he was my favorite character and to me the most compelling of the characters jen i thought was a little spoiled but i still I still felt for her character because she um, she felt abandoned and had been that way her whole life. And like with yeah, yeah, and with Cassian though, you have somebody who is battle worn from a child. So you know you have a refugee child that grew up to fight against the Empire because he had seen what was terrible about it, and so you really got to see kind of what you get to see in the Rebels cartoon is more of the oppression the oppression from the empire. Well, what I appreciated and, about Cassian was that we didn't see, you know, the goody-goody of the the rebel lines. We saw that there is some dark side that has, you know, darkness oh, yeah. that has to be done in order to, you know, to bring good to the galaxy. So, uh, that's one thing I appreciated about his character. Yeah, yeah, I love and that, that you guys bring that cool. up. Yeah. Um, I love that you guys bring that up because there's that scene where he says, you know, I've done so many bad things and, you know, if it's for nothing, then how am I going to live with myself, you know? And uh, and I love that that was what drove him to, to help Jin at the end. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, he had to rationalize what he was doing somehow, you know, because he was an assassin. And right. he did kill some people like one on on screen in cold blood. You know, so right. he shot uh, first. He, he definitely did. shot first. <laughs> there was no uh, that. <laughs> no denying that. So, and there's there were no Jedi. There was nothing that you typically feel is a part of the Star Wars universe. Well, yeah, there was the Force. What's his in some could way. be considered a? Well, he was a guardian uh, of Force yeah. sensitive. Porgs because yeah, so. I haven't seen a blind guy flip around and do stuff like that before. Well, Daredevil, I guess, but <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, if, oh, if, if Porgs yeah, can do, it, they, yeah, they were defenders of the crystals. They like were force sensitive, like you said. No, like yeah, it was pretty awesome. Yeah, so exactly. I, I hate to say this, Stacy, but I think you know now I have to agree with you know Monica. Um, I'm probably gonna watch that now after this is over with. Are you, no, you know, Rogue One? I, yeah. The other day I was driving and I was thinking about like the pilot story and we were in the car and all of a sudden I started tearing up and everybody's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I'm just thinking about Rogue One. So, <laughs> I've never heard anybody say that they appreciated Bodhi so much. But it, could be, it fascinates me. Like, who were you? What was your backstory? Like, what did Galen Erso say to you that compelled you to, like, risk your life? Because you work for the, you know, yeah. for these guys. And you know how bad they are. Like, what did he say to you that just, like, that just made you risk it all? Like, did he have a family, a wife that he left? Like, you know, we don't know. And I'm so fascinated by his character. Well, and, and, and I think the ending, ending of the whole movie made it worth it to me i think that it's it it needed to end the way that it did I, i'm glad it and, didn't sell out and say well you know we're going to keep these characters alive i'm glad that they they you know excuse my french had the balls to do that right my five-year-old well, refuses to believe that they die he has a whole fanfic that he says that that beam of light was like a tractor beam that saved them. <laughs> no, like, oh, nice. maybe that's not what happened, but like he just he refuses to believe. Well, they're, that, they're that running died. around in the farm in the sky. They're, that's they're, where they exactly. whole, there was a whole theory that came out that uh, the Rogue One cast would become the Knights of Ren. 
Stacy, I think you remember yeah, this theory, right? I did, yeah. <laughs> I can't I think we're gonna be so wrong about what happens in episode eight. And I hope that's the case. Uh from everything things that I've read all over the place about what's happening, I think we're all gonna be really wrong about what happens. And I'm I'm glad. I'm not gonna speculate on that because I want to be enchanted and I want like my breath taken away. Yeah, I've actually I've actually stopped reading for the last uh, this whole year, like for the last six months I guess I've read nothing i've tried to read no more uh i'll watch the previews and that'll be it and especially because they said that like so much of the extended universe is no longer canon right so i mean they could just throw everything out of the water and that's fine with me because i just want a good story i just want to like be enchanted um but yeah it's just not worth guessing i feel like i'm just gonna get anxiety from it the the whole gray Jedi stuff and the the whole balance in the Force and I think that's the direction that they're going with it and stuff that they've done from the Rebels cartoon, that's stuff that I'm looking forward to seeing the effects of that in the in the in the movies. Um, but yeah, with I'm with you, Monica. I'm I'm really more interested in kind of recapturing the feeling you know of Star Wars and and really not trying to do all I can not to spoil it for myself. Right. Right. I'm trying not to read all the negative freaking comments that everybody has about it. Like, can't you oh, enjoy Star Wars? For the love. Like, who it's doesn't like, love Star Wars? <laughs> right? It's not like it's Transfibers 5 or anything. Uh, so. I haven't even oh, seen God. I just stopped. I couldn't anymore with those. Yeah. That's a whole different <laughs> subject with me. The whole different... <laughs> well, Daniel, what about you, Daniel? Your classic. Yeah, well, my exactly. classic is Transformers 5. No, I'm just... Um... Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I'm hanging up. I'm sorry, we're not talking to you anymore. <laughs> I quit. It just transcends. No, I'm just playing. Um, so, you know, I I agree with both of y'all. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy definitely is going to be a movie that's going to be talked about 20 years from now. I mean, you know, it it was just, it was the Star Wars of our generation. Rogue sure. One, an amazing freaking film. I mean, it I I, th- I think it did things for Star Wars that Lucasfilms was not expecting it would do for it. Um. It was just a great movie. The movie I would have to choose, though, is going to be it's going to be a comic book based movie, um, and I think it's the one that kind of just put Marvel back on the map. Um, the original Iron Man. Oh, I considered that one too. <laughs> and okay, you know the reason why I'm I'm saying that is because you know we had nothing but crappy Marvel movies. You know we we had just crappy comic book movies in general. You know we had some gems out there. We had the original Batman. We had, um, you know, Superman. Uh, I believe even The Dark Knight came out prior to Iron Man. So, you know, we had some good movies that came out. But Iron Man put Thomas Marvel... Jane's, Thomas Jane's Punisher. <sighs> Thomas Jane's Punisher was good. I, I, I wouldn't like call Don, it a gem, well. but it was good. <laughs> <laughs> I love Thomas Jane. Did you guys ever I see him on <laughs> but, but Iron Man, the first Iron Man movie, I mean, that was the first time that it, it seemed like a comic book character was actually able to be a comic book character on screen and was able to be taken seriously. Yeah. You know, with with the Batman franchise, they started taking it in this realistic, you know, route and they tried to make it a realist like if he was really in the real world, how would he be? And it just it didn't feel like a comic book movie. It felt more like, I don't know, a guy dressing up in a bat suit. <laughs> but with Iron Man, I mean, it actually felt like a real true to life story that could have been in the comic books that was actually brought onto the movie screen. And it was a, a movie that people took seriously, and and it put Marvel on the map. And if if it if it wasn't for Iron Man, we wouldn't have Guardians of the Galaxy. We wouldn't have some of these other movies that are out now. Yeah, Daniel cheated. He went back and hacked the system. I <laughs> I I think I I I actually went back and watched. I think it came on the other day. Uh, some some channel. Um, Maybe it was uh, FX or something. It, it came on, and I watched it from beginning to end, and and it really holds up in terms of like the Marvel movies. Like Thor's always been kind of subpar. I'm sure we could like rank all of the Marvel movies, and Thor's are at the bottom. I would agree. Uh, but but Iron Man actually, it still really holds up. The story is really still really good, and Robert Downey Jr. kills it. I mean, he's right. he is he is. Tony Stark, you know, it's like you can't I can't imagine him actually being anything else. Any other movie he's in, it's 
Tony Stark as this. It's like, what's Tony Stark doing there? <laughs> yeah, what's I, Tony, so. I totally agree, and I considered that one as well when you know when uh, you brought up what the topic was for today, and a lot of it was like, um, like you said, we had a couple gems out there, we had a couple good ones, but for me, I've always liked comic books, I've always liked stories like that, um, but there was never like something you could just hold on to the way you can with like the Marvel universe, uh, with the cinematic universe. And my kid was like, my oldest kid at the time must've been like four or five years old. And I took him to see the Iron Man movie and he was just, that's his superhero. Like he saw that movie and that was it. He's been Iron Man, Iron Man, Iron Man. And I remember thinking during the trailer, like Iron Man sounds so dumb. Like I've never even heard of this character. Like who is he? He's like, like a he's like a B a a B side character. And that was yeah. the amazing thing that Marvel took the risk on a on a character that wasn't considered an A lister. Right, right. Yeah. And and they made yeah, an A lister character out of him. Yeah, and my kid made me take him on every day off while that movie was in theaters. I had to take him on every single day off to see that movie. Like you were he was up just some so. Cash. Well, you know, he was little back then, so that, you know, they don't charge that much. But the funny thing is about that is, like, it would be a good break for me because it was, like, in the summer. Uh -huh. And it would be so hot out. And I was like, oh, let's just go to the movies. And you get to be quiet for, like, an hour while we watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I saw Iron Man so many times. And uh, it never got old. Like, I saw it so many times in theaters. And it was always funny. And, like you said, I think if I saw it now, I would still think the same thing because... It's, it was just really well done. Yeah, and you know that that that's you know you said funny. That's that's one thing I appreciate the movie is that they weren't scared to take a risk and put humor in a comic book movie. Um, they weren't scared to take a risk to make it a comic book movie. Uh, you know, make it campy, make you know right. things that you would only see on the pages of a comic book. Um, so yeah. I mean, I. That's why I, you know, I, I really truly believe twenty years from now, people are going to still be talking about the first Iron Man film. Yeah. Well, it set the tone for everything that came after it. It really did. And I like the funny. I like how Guardians is so funny. I like that Ant Man was hilarious. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I really do like the funny in the comic book movies. I kind of stopped watching the uh, Batman movies because they were so dark. And it wasn't yeah. something that I could take my kid to. Like, I wasn't going to take him to see The Dark Knight or to see any of the other ones because they were just, at that time, he was so young. Like, they were too dark for him, and it wasn't something I could share with him. But Iron Man and, you know, Thor and all these other movies, I could share with my kid. You know, Captain America, I could share with my kid. And I think that's what helps, like, build that franchise when you have all these kids wanting to be, like, these characters, mm -hmm. you know? And and I think that's really important. I think they do a great job. If you're honest, Batman probably needs to be rated R as well. Yeah, uh, if if you if you watched, I mean, if you read the comic, not all of them, because there was a there was a like Silver Age, he was it was hokey and everything. But if you go through like the Jim Lee era or much right. of the uh, much of the Frank Miller stuff, I mean that's rated R. You know, I mean he's he's not killing people, but the people like Zaz and some of the other villains he has are, yeah, those are literal murderers, you know? So, well, and not uh, only that, but even the Tim Burton movies were kind of dark. It's not something that you no. take any little kid to. You, you see that scene with, um, Oh, what's Christopher Walken's character name? Max something in the second Tim Burton movie. Oh yeah. And, uh, and he's kind of a, like he pushes Selena Kyle out a window. And just was like, well, I'm just gonna kill you, and have no remorse over it. Like the the penguin is um, a misogynistic jerk who there he's got a cat on his bed, and I don't know if you remember when Catwoman yes. is in his room. Uh -huh. What 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 he says? What to, when she's sitting there? Uh, well, go back like and that. Google it. <laughs> no, yeah, Google. and um, even in like when he's running for office in that movie, and he's basically yeah. like, sexually assaulting the women there, and all like, of them. Oswald Cobblepot like, with black stuff coming out of his teeth. Yeah, oh, so gross. Yeah, it's definitely you're right. Not really. Yeah. No, dark. He looks like a. <laughs> he looked like a bag of mashed potatoes too. It was just nasty. Oh yeah, they did a good job. They made, they made the penguin. They made the penguin kind of scary. So yeah. 
and he was such a joke, uh, you know, unless you played the Arkham City games where, you know, he's kind of, is he Scottish? Or no, he's not Scottish. He's, Australian. uh, no, he's, he's, uh, he's English, but I think he's got like a, a Cockney accent. That's what and I'm saying. And so, he's yeah, he's got a Cockney accent and, and, uh, he's more of a gangster. So, and I could dig that. That, that was a good twist on the character as well. Well, um, you know, Penguin's always been a, a, a gangster. He's, you know, not a fearful one, but he's, he's, he's. Been... Right. That's what I'm saying. He wasn't really say, powerful. How do you make Penguin scary? Like, that's how you do uh, it. You put, missiles on, you put missiles on their backs, is what you do. <laughs> that was kind of cute. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's so cute. Why is it blowing me up? Sorry. Oh, I can't help it's it. It's like yeah. puffins. <laughs> That's right. The porgs are coming. Well, do y'all have any other movies that y'all just want to kind of briefly talk about? or? I um, I think, and I know this is going to sound kind of weird. I don't know if it's considered geeky, but to some people it is. Um, I think Frozen is definitely going to be one of those movies. Oh, nice. made it Frozen. Um, I think it really put the Disney movies on the map uh, compared to like the Pixar movies. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's obviously a gross, like an insane amount of money. And it's something that little kids now will probably show their kids. And I think that's going to have uh, a long standing like Disney following like Beauty and the Beast or Snow it's, White. It's the little Cinderella. mermaid of this time. Oh, I think it's much more a little mermaid, but yeah, I think it's, I think Anna and Elsa are going to be huge characters that people are going to always remember. Because, you know, yeah. when we were younger, it was the Little Mermaid that kind of put Disney back on the map. And then, you know, Aladdin and Lion King and all those other movies came out after it. Well, and, and a lot of that, I think, in my opinion, had to do with the music. You know, they yeah. they had some of the best songs in The Little Mermaid. And they have one of the biggest songs in, in uh, you know, the uh, Frozen. Um, Frozen. Frozen, sorry. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I don't have an old movie, but I would, but I wanted to say that I'm really, really looking forward to the next Thor installment. So. Yeah. Uh, so even though kind of, it that kind of puts away what you said earlier, you know, the Thor movies have been kind of subpar. I think this Thor. Oh movie yeah. Is going to be. Is going to put Thor back on the map. I think it'll actually put Thor on the map. Thor hasn't registered <laughs> yet, and so now, hopefully, after this one, it will. Well, I'm hoping for another Ant-Man movie soon because I was in love with Paul Rudd as Ant-Man. Oh, it's I coming. thought it's hilarious. It's it's coming, and it will have the Wasp in it this time. So. And, and Michelle yes, Pfeiffer is going to be playing uh, Janet Van Dyne. Michelle yeah. Pfeiffer will be there? Yep. Yeah. I'm so excited now. Yep. So. Let's do this. <laughs> that was all announced at Comic-Con. Oh, I didn't notice that one. That one got she by was, me. That's so cool. She was in the Doctor, Doctor Who exhibit. Yeah, she she was she was in awe. Actually, I think that yeah. was happening the same time as your Doctor Who stuff. Probably. Well, I think that's going to wrap up this episode of the Temple of Geek podcast. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to hit us up on Facebook or Twitter by using the handle Temple of Geek. Do you want to check out some of our other episodes or shows? Why don't you head over to templeofgeek.com? There you'll find all sorts of content that pertains to the world of geek. Thank you for joining us for this episode. I've been Daniel. It's Monica. This is Stacy. And we'll see you next time. Please follow us on Twitter at Temple of Geek. Follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Temple of Geek. And remember to visit TempleofGeek.com. Your one stop for all things geek. Goodbye. This will conclude our transmission.